the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gap, number 70 for September 18th, 2006. Greetings, folks. Welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab. I'm Dave. This is John. And we're here once again on a Monday night for us. It's certainly not Monday night for you, although I guess it might be, right, John? It may be. It could be. They could listen on Monday night. You could mm-hmm. listen. I mean, by they, I was just talking to John. I wasn't talking to you. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, so, as we promised you, for the last couple of weeks, John and I have been culling our lists of new applications that we have found and stumbled upon in our travels, both uh, professionally for the show and then just personally to keep our Macs uh, running and doing the things that we like to do. So, these are apps that are new to us, not necessarily new, but we uh, we always get requests for, you know, what programs are you using to do X, Y or Z via email? And so we figured what the heck we'll just uh, we'll just we put do? a show together. Yeah, oh, we do. Yeah, of course we do. <laughs> <laughs> and you can send email into Mac Geek at Mac dot com, of course. So uh, and then we've got some other questions from uh, from you folks and the other folks out there. And uh, and I think that's are what we- we'll do. And we have answers. And we do have maybe answers. Not the, maybe not the right answers, but we have answers. <laughs> okay. You want to get us started, John, and tell us about your first app of the, uh, of the, of the evening here? Okay. Well, this is something that just anybody can support, I think. Well, just about. But it's called Democracy. Aha. And, um, you know, everybody loves Democracy. But basically, I stumbled across this quite by accident because I believe what I was looking for, and this could be another topic at some point, I believe I was out there looking for a player for uh, Flash files. Okay. FLV files. Oh, I see. And so, okay. so, you know, I was poking around, and, you know, my, one of the sites that I like to find new goodies is uh, Mac Update, though there's certainly yep. some others. Yeah. Version Tracker. And, and I came across this thing, and it's like, Democracy player, open source, internet TV, TiVo like, and I'm like, well, that sounds pretty darn cool. Okay. So I downloaded it, and and it has a number of really neat features. So um, the one thing, of course, you know, first and foremost, it's a video playing platform. But the, okay. the other nice thing is that it's open source, and I'm all about open source. Absolutely. And a lot of things that I'm going to talk about tonight are, uh, for one reason or another, they just happen to be open source. So cool. that's always a good thing. And that that, is. you know, if you want to. You know, geek out and get Xcode and, you know, dig around and, and just, uh, you know, tweak it and, and contribute to the open source community. You can do such a so, thing. So do you need Xcode to run this democracy player or no? Oh, no, of course okay, not. Okay, no. okay, okay. So, uh, so, what, so types of, what types of content are, are we talking about? I mean, can, you're not getting CBS and ABC TV shows in here, of course, right? Where are you? No, so no, it's okay. uh, uh, no, so we're not talking, you know, like, you know, so it, it's uh, it's not like a iTunes, uh, right. where, you know, you're talking commercial programs and purchase. Everything, you know, in the spirit of the open source movement is free, of course. With the player, they also offer a uh, broadcaster, which you, uh, if you own a server, you can plug in a couple of, I believe it's a Perl script file on your server. Or, I, um, from what I saw, I haven't actually tried it, but they also offer, if you'd like to host, uh, uh, that they recommend servers where you, you can also host your uh, your video. But, oh, um Wow. But basically what you get here is you get the player. The player lets you 
Uh, it has a channel guide, you know, so kind of similar okay. to uh, to what you have in iTunes. Okay. And they're under certain categories. I'm looking right now, and you can get the channels that they have right now about 600 channels. Okay. Uh, and they're spread across across. Uh, I'm looking here: animation, arts, business, comedy, creative commons. I believe there's a politics. So there's, uh, yeah, and actually right down here: politics, religion, and spirituality. Something for just about anybody. Uh, how, long are, how long are the shows that you're watching on this thing? I mean, obviously they range, but I mean, are we talking about mostly five minute shows, mostly hour long shows? What, what, I mean, you know, it really depends. Okay. It, it depends on the, on the, the publisher. So it could be uh, could be long things, could be short little things. But what's really interesting is that you can set it to be almost like a little TiVo. Really? So if you have it running and, uh, you know, it, it, every now and then, very similar to like downloading podcasts with iTunes. Yeah. It'll go out and check the channel, uh, which I believe is, you know, just an RSS feed like most people are doing with, with their video and audio content. It'll just pull down. So they recommend. Cool. And actually during the installation, they say, you know, would you like it to kind of hang out in the background and, and look for new things? But if not, when you start it up, it can check the channels and download the new videos uh, for cool. you. So it's a really neat little, uh, again, it's kind of like a TiVo. It just yeah. kind of hangs out. We'll check for your videos. And, uh, you know, the, 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 there are just so many so many different channels. Cool. I'm um, looking right here. They have Democracy Now. They have Tunes. They have one here, which I got to sign up to, Puking Dogs Video of the Day. I mean, wow, that, how could you, how miss can you that? not? <laughs> that's right. That's, uh, boy, that's the first thing I'd watch when I got to my desk in the morning. <laughs> In fact, I'd, I'd do it at home. That really, you know, I'd wake up before I even got up to kids. I'd go down and, and that'd be the way to start my day. Now, another interesting thing about this, though, which iTunes does not have, it is that it can tie into BitTorrent. Okay. Okay. And that seems to be one of the nicer features. And yep. I know you and I have talked in the past that wouldn't that be a swell thing yeah. for yeah. iTunes to support, and, uh, you know, especially when you're crunched for bandwidth. Right. Um, wouldn't it be nice to be able to tie into BitTorrent? And so they claim to be able to do that. Cool. Um, d d so Demo I think it's democracy a player, huh? At getdemocracy.com. Is that right? I have that right? Yep. We're definitely going to put it in the show notes. And they also have the... It's uh, already you there, know, you know. I already put it in the show notes. Very nice. And they also have a complimentary thing that I mentioned called Broadcast Machine. Got it. Which you install uh, if you'd like to, you know, code up your, uh, you know, do your own broadcast channels uh all cool. you need is a server and uh and there you and also and fi the final thing about it is it lets you search yahoo youtube and google video oh see now that's so key it, that's the first thing you should have told me because that's awesome <laughs> oh that's great very cool very now cool. sometimes it may be in a format that you can't digest you know okay okay but uh but having a search that goes across a uh, you know the most popular yeah uh video serving platforms i know especially youtube i don't know if you heard the news about youtube today but i, I did believe they uh yep. they hooked up was it uh was it warner, warner? yeah yep. warner music and, uh, yeah. and apparently warner thinks gee you know if there are 100 million or so videos per day that people are looking at maybe we want to get in on this action because uh not everybody's going to pay us for content or license but maybe one or two or a thousand or ten thousand will so i think it's pretty smart of them very cool very cool so, uh, all right. So my first one, I scratched off the list and, and moved on to it's alternate. Uh, well, not really. It's alternate. Just the next one on the list, because the first one is something I really want to tell everybody about. But it, and if it doesn't work, mm -hmm. I can't tell you about it. So my first one is disc cover from uh, from the folks at B-Light Software. And yeah, they are the folks that uh, actually advertised on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And I 
and I it, were it not for them advertising on the show, I never would have stumbled onto Discover. Frankly, I never knew what B Light Software did. I, I I just it it never registered with me. I guess the name just didn't didn't cause mm. me to go seek it out. But what Discover does is it's uh, uh, um, an environment in which you develop and uh, assemble CD labels. So if you're in a band or if you're archiving stuff or if you're creating photo CDs or DVDs, of course, from any of your content and you want to give these out, say, as Christmas gifts or you want to just simply have a label to stick on something and put it away in your, your archive, it does it all. It's got pictures built into it. Obviously, it goes and supports all of the Avery label sets that are uh, available and every other brand as well. But uh, but I kind of stumbled onto this thing and it pulls in data from all the iApps. So you can if you want to build a, a CD label with all the track names on it, bam, it's right there. You don't have to go and, and type them oh. in manually. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, it's very cool. It's uh you know, it almost feels like an extension to the the whole iLife suite in in terms of well, creating disc labels, hence the hence the name disc cover. So Okay. And people like Avery and others offer circular uh yep. labels. Have you seen any like transparent ones or Huh. You know, I haven't looked, but it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if they have transparent ones, although that that would get a little weird. I guess you'd have to make sure you bought media that was uh, that had that had no branding on it, right? Because otherwise, the transparent ones would look kind of funky on the uh, on uh, on media that had you know a brand name underneath it or whatever. Okay. Now, does it do just the disc label, or can you do like the uh, the, the the insert? Uh, yeah, you can you can make inserts as well. So yeah, it'll it'll do the uh, it'll do the the whole deal for you. Oh. I like Very it. Very nice. Yeah. 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 And it's got, you know, it's got some clip art built in. Obviously, you can pull in your own, uh, you know, if you've got an image of your, let's say you're in a band and you want to, you know, put a CD together, you can take a picture of the band and make that the background of the image and pull your logo in and all that good stuff. And obviously, you could do that with the family, too. And you could take a picture from iPhoto. If you, if let's say you're building an iPhoto library CD, you could take, you know, your mm. favorite picture of the set and, and make that the background for the for the label and you're good to go. So very cool. Hey, you're in, yeah. you do the band thing. Maybe you should, uh, I maybe I should <laughs> Got to find the right band first. Uh, but that's another, that's another issue. Uh, so we'll move on. Uh, so that's a uh, disc cover from be software.com. And of course that's in the show notes too. So what's, uh, what's your next one, John? Okay. And, uh, and actually I came across this because, uh, the one we're going to talk about next is from the same vendor, but, uh, we'll talk right. about this now. Uh, our buddies at panic.com. There's yep. uh, something here called unison. What is unison? Unison is a newsreader. Okay. John, what are you saying? A newsreader. I a go news to reader. Google news and all I go, that. I read the I go news to macobserver.com to get my news. Well, of well, course, Mac, Mac news. news. That's right. Yeah. Anyways. But basically what this is, and this is something, uh, you know, which the, the newer people in the computing world and, uh, you know, newer Mac users may not be aware of, but this is something that was back in the in the, the bad old days of text only before pre, web browsers and all that. Yeah. There was something called Usenet. And uh, and actually, I used to run a news server uh, at the day job until it became, uh, you know, kind of a pain in the neck to run. Yeah. Uh, but basically, it's a threaded discussion system that's pretty much worldwide. Almost any uh, internet provider, uh, including the one that I'm with, Opt Online, fortunately yeah. offers a new server. And uh, 
you know, if you've used a bulletin board or a discussion group, it's very similar to that. Yep. You have groups with names. And, uh, the, well, the, the first thing that I like about this is that when you start it up, it's smart enough to kind of poke around and say, you know what? As far as I can tell, you have, so it detects your, uh, you know, what provider you're with. And it says, really? you know, yeah. So it came oh, up and cool. it said, hey, you know, um, you may want to go to news.optonline.net and they probably have a news server there. And yes, they did. Wow, that's awesome. That's great. So that's, that's, smart that's a nice to do touch. That. So tell, tell the people a little bit about, and this isn't app specific, but, but what sort of news, if, if, if someone's never used Usenet before, what sort of news could they, uh, could they get with this? And what know, sort of discussions, rather? Yeah. Um, there's a, a bunch of major hierarchies that, that I would say, and then they break down and pretty much the, the groups have a name. Yeah. What, what are some of your favorite high groups? level? So just list a couple so that people can get oh, like the gist, right? Well, I would say uh, comp. <laughs> comp. And let me just comp. make sure I get the name right. So okay. comp uh, means computer. Right. Uh, and let's see. Let's see. It's a sys, I believe. Yes, uh, comp sys. Mac. Right. Yeah. Yes. So so they're all separated by periods, and, mm-hmm. and this system is pretty much all text, though you can do non-text. We'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah. But, for example, the one that I like is comp.sys.mac.s advocacy okay oh my you want to talk about a news group that <laughs> flame, has a lot of wars. traffic yeah i'm looking here right now and that particular group right now currently has 120,000 messages in it okay okay so if, if you want to add be a mac advocate this yep. is the group to uh to do it with so basically it lets you search so the first thing that happens when you go to the news server wh- whoever offers it to yep. you and actually these guys offer one if uh, your your internet provider doesn't offer one okay. they will give you one to hook up to sure and you double click on it it'll let you search by name and then it lists all the messages in a nice hierarchy if there are messages that are part of a thread or a certain topic yep. it will list them kind of like, way as well kind of like mail app will do if, if you've got threading turned on in it for uh, mm-hmm, for those mm-hmm. of you that are looking for an analog there yeah and it's also smart enough to pick up uh, if you have it configured elsewhere in mac os then it'll you know put your email address because mm-hmm. when you post a message either an original message or reply to something else it'll put your email address though i have a caution here you probably don't want to put your real email address That's right. in the field that asks for it because this the, the one downside of Usenet it is a spam magnet. Yeah. If yeah. you put a message in there with your real email address, you will guaranteed one hundred percent you will start getting yeah. an email box full of garbage. So what a lot of people do is they will typically put either a bogus address in there or somewhere within the message they will put something in there that a email address harvester cannot pick up. Hopefully cannot pick up. <laughs> Yeah, like you spell out, yeah. you know, the word at, yeah. um, or put some text in there, something that an automated harvester cannot parse. Yeah. Yeah. And then it also very nicely, if uh, you know, if, if you go into a discussion and it's a discussion that has, you know, prior comments and stuff like that, it'll display them very nicely in color, um, showing you, you know, the, the you know reply from this person, this person, this person. So it makes it very easy to follow. Uh, the sequence of uh, of replies from a certain person. It also has cert- uh, a little rule system. So, for example, you could ignore posts from certain people and uh, and things like that. And the, the some... interface is is though the though the conversation is all text. The interface is very OS ten and 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 absolutely awkward, right and all that good stuff. Cool. And that's from uh, from Panic Software, right? 
Mm-hmm. And okay. the other thing you can do with it, um, there are some groups, uh, depending on the, the topic, that offer binaries. Um, because, as I mentioned, Usenet is something that does text, 7-bit only. Of course, there are ways to encode binary data, like pictures and stuff like that. And if it detects that you know a certain message has something that's a binary file, there'll be a little download button where you can download something. So it's, a, it's also a nice way to get binary information communicated via a text channel. But a very nice newsreader. It's still very, very active. They're, they're just, I'm looking here, just a boatload of messages put yep. up today. So I, I, still, I still use Usenet to track uh, information on bands that I'm interested in because mm-hmm. there's still a lot of activity out there. When Fish was, uh, was, in fact, even now that Fish isn't an active band, there's still a ton of stuff on the Fish news group and REM's news group has a lot of stuff. As does uh, as rushes, and that's it's actually a really good place to go and find news if your uh, if your favorite band has has a news group out there because those people just keep talking and talking and talking. So, and that that's from that's from Panic Software, Unison from Panic Software. It, interestingly enough, on my list, I had Transmit from Panic Software. Transmit is an FTP client, and FTP means uh, file transfer protocol or a way of uploading files from your computer to another or pulling files from your com- from another computer down to yours. And there's a lot of FTP clients. In fact, there's one built right into the OS X command line. If you don't want to mm. use the command line, uh, I, I really, really like Transmit. It's got a whole bookmarking feature set in there, so you don't have to remember your passwords. Obviously, it uses the system keychain. And the one very cool thing is it allows you to create droplets. So if there is a place that you're constantly uploading files, let's say you've got a server where you're you're putting web documents or, um, you know, if you're, you're hosting picture files and you're for a client or something and you're constantly uploading stuff and telling people to go get it from your FTP server, you can create a droplet that is a quick shortcut to whatever folder you specify on your FTP server. And then you, you can put that droplet right into your, um, into your dock and just drag files down to it. And it automatically logs in. You can tell it to save your password so that bam, you drop the file on there and up it goes on top of that. It's automator savvy. So you can totally script the thing with automator. And in fact, it's what I use uh, as part of the automator workflow that I created to process and upload the show. So it just, bam, automatically goes. No uh, no, no intermediate step required. I don't even think about it. The only time I know it's there for the show anyway is when uh, it tells me there's an update to the software because then it pesters me about it. So transmit. As it should be. As it should be, yeah. 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 Yeah, and I see a few other things here. Uh, I think it'll deal with uh, web dev volumes, iDisk, mm-hmm. uh, it will. That's right. It'll let you upload and download to and from your iDisk, and it really manages that process uh, in a way that, that, that is better than what the Finder does. It doesn't tie up your machine nearly as much. So um, I think that's uh, it, it's a very, very nice app, again, uh, from Panic Software, the same folks that make Unison, the newsreader we just talked about. Very nice. Now, do, do, do you know about Growl? I do know about Growl. I, I haven't used Growl. Is that, is that the next one on your list or no? No, no. This oh. mentions that it uh, it supports it. I uh, just threw a random question out there because yeah. I see it supports it. I think it's some notification system. It's exactly what it is. It's a it, it's a system that can notify you of many different things happening on your Mac. There's there's sort of it's an open API and there's plugins for all sorts of different applications. Um, I I don't use it, so I'm sure someone out there is listening to our 
uh, uninformed description of what this is and cringing. But uh, mm. but it, it'll allow you to do some cool things. You can get notifications floating on your, your screen when things happen. And if you have uh, a power mate, one of those those little uh, blue glowing things, uh, the paddle wheel, it'll glow that thing if, if, if certain actions happen and very configurable from what I understand. So that's growl. So that's a twofer right there. Transmit and growl, although panic doesn't make growl. Someone else does. Okay. Well, that droplet thing, I especially like, I think Very the next cool. uh, show that we go to. Yeah. Because that was always a oh, challenge right. I had, uploading content exactly. to, uh, you know, to the site, like pictures. Or, though actually, we got some nice tools in place here. But, yep. but just ha- having a drag and drop interface to yep. uh, upload files is nice. Because who wants to deal with the command line? No. No. I don't. It's not. <clears throat> and it's, speaking. Yes. Of not wanting to deal with a command line. Yes. That almost uh, segues into our, our next little goodie here. There's a, reason I built the, there's a reason I built the agenda this way, you know. This isn't my accident. <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> that's why you get the big bucks. That's right. So, what is it? Tell us. Tell here. us. What's the name of it? What's it called? Tell me. It is called Fugu. Don't say that. Oh, you I can, can say, say that. that. F U. Hey, <laughs> Fugu. <laughs> F-U-G-U. And what's what it Fugu? do? Fugu is is uh, is this? Uh, I think it's the f- uh, part of the puffer fish that uh, isn't poisonous, and it's a delicacy in some areas. But you got to be careful because if you eat the wrong part of the uh, puffer fish, uh, you're going to expire very quickly. But if you eat the right part of the puffer fish, it it transfers files for you. Is that is that what you're about to so tell? Pretty me? much. That's it. No. Okay. So anyways, what's Fugu? So Fugu, again, I told you I'm all about open source. So Fugu yep. is a very nice open source front end to some of the services that have command line client. But, you know, we were just saying, you know, the command line and the terminal, you don't want to mess with that. That's just terrible. Right. So what Fugu does is basically offers you a very nice GUI to a number of services. And the I think the, uh, the, the highlighted one here, and actually I believe Transmit will do this also. Yeah. Um, this does a few other things. Um, it provides you a nice graphical shell to the SFTP that is otherwise a command line thing included in OS X. Okay, so SFTP, just to wrap the discussion together, is secure mm-hmm. file transfer protocol. And yes, Transmit also supports that, but go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the... Uh, and why would you need secure FTP, do you ask? Well, huh. you know, like a lot of other protocols, when they were when they were originally developed... They weren't secure, and basically FTP, everything is sent out in the open, which may be something you do not want. That's right. Especially on an open or a public network, so it provides you a nice graphical shell that will let you connect without using the built-in, you know, well, it uses the built-in part of OS X, but it gives you a nice graphical shell, which will ask you for the server, username, port, directory, a few other things there and on the left side of the screen here it gives you a nice view of your directory hierarchy on your mac very cool so that is one uh one thing that it does and it also does two other things there's also another secure option here that it it lets you uh front end which is scp or secure copy yep and i think we talked about that in the past show as well so very similar you know unix has a nice uh copy command um you know, there's a secure version as well, so people are not snooping and watching the files that you're copying. And it also provides you a SSH uh, graphical interface to define yourself a nice little SSH tunnel, which we've okay uh, talked about in the past as well. Okay. So, so again, it, I'm all it, about open source. And it is important is, to note 
that if you are connecting to an FTP server, just because you can connect using FTP does not mean that you can connect using SFTP because right. SFTP does not use the FTP protocol. It, it, well, it kind of does, but it tunnels it over SSH. And uh, right. so that it's an important distinction there because there are some FTP servers, probably a lot of them out there that, that don't support mm-hmm. SFTP in the same way that they support FTP. So, yeah. And I think that's why it has an option here. When you connect, ask for mm-hmm. the port as well. Cause I don't know if, is there a, maybe there is, maybe there isn't a standard, uh, SFTP port. Well, I believe it. I believe it uses twenty two. It's doing it. It connects over SSH using port twenty two. I believe. Right. But I I could be wrong about that. But I I don't. I don't believe I am. But Uh, a lot of these services, you know, you can you can put them at different ports. I mean, there are standard ports, and you know, but a lot of these server file transfer and other services, if you really want to, and you had a good reason, you could put them on another port. Yeah. So. so Fugu, and I got Fugu. it right this time because I remember one of our early podcasts, you remember, yep. I called it Fubu. Fubu, no, it's Fugu, that's right. And the thing is, I mean, and you know I'm all about fashion, and I regularly wear Fubu <laughs> tire. I know that's why you got confused, John. I, no, all right, I so the next thing on my list is a, a piece of software that, that's very new to the world. I think everything that we've discussed so far has been a universal binary, meaning that it's, it's, it'll run natively on either the uh, original or previous PowerPC Macs and also the new Intel-based Macs. Mm-hmm. This app that I'm going to talk about here is actually not a universal binary. It only runs on the Intel-based Macs, and it's called Crossover. Now, you've probably all heard about Parallels Desktop. Parallels is, uh, we've, I'm, we've discussed right. it on the show. And what Parallels does is it lets you run Windows on your Mac. Now, virtu- it's not... it. As far as functionality goes, it's very similar to virtual PC as far as the user experience is, rather, because it, you boot up a copy of Windows in a shell or in, in, a, you know, in a window on your Mac, and within that, you run all your Windows stuff, and it's pretty much isolated from the system. You can copy things in and out, but it's its own little environment mm. happening. That's Parallels. Crossover, what it does is it lets you run Windows apps without running Windows, now, this is very cool because and, – and what I've used it for it isn't, isn't anything great, but we've been doing some uh, design tweaks, and I want to make sure that uh, the websites work with Internet Explorer on Windows. And so and I could run Parallels and, and just fire that up and check it there, and I certainly have done that. But I can now run with Crossover, and it's in beta, and there, there are many apps that do not work with it. But Internet Explorer, obviously, is one of them. So I can run Internet Explorer just as it, the way it appears is almost as though it's another browser on my Mac. There's no Windows subsystem or anything that's apparent to, to me as a user. Uh, and I can just drag the windows around. The, the icon for oh, okay. IE appears in my dock. It's, it's, it, it will get so- to the point where the user has no idea whether they're running a Windows app or a Mac app. And remember, none of it is emulated, right? The, the, the code of the app is running right. natively because it's all built for Intel. What is emulated are the toolbox calls. And it's, it's using a, a, a Linux, uh, or it's, a, it's using a piece of software that was made very popular on the Linux platform called Wine, which is Wine oh. is not an emulator. Uh, because, right, because it's not an emulator. It just allows you to run Windows stuff in. It, it's effectively an X Windows subsystem that's that's sort of bundled into this app called Crossover for okay. code readers. Yeah. All right. So to be clear, Virtual PC and its ilk is basically looking like 
an Intel processor. Virtual PC is emulating an Intel processor, right? And does not run, right? Does does not Mm. run on on the Intel Max. Virtual PC never will run on the Intel Max. Well, that makes sense that they decided not to do that. Yes. Yes. What's the point? So this is intercepting, I would say. So so whereas you have the emulator like Virtual PC, which is really duplicating the behavior of PC at a very, very low fundamental level, this is at a higher level because one would assume that, like you spoke of X-Window, Right. Is uh, most operating systems the calls to do certain things like to draw a window and to, you know, display colors and text and stuff. There's probably calls that are fairly similar That's right. across different operating systems and environments. Now, I guess the downside is that it's not going to run everything. That's correct. And, and some the apps, app if does they need do, to be tweaked. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if yeah. you have an application that doesn't follow or does, you know, little tricks to get performance and stuff, you may have some problems using right. a product like this. So so the good news is that if an application, like I see here, some of the ones, like they, they say they run Microsoft Visio, one would assume, yeah. I think that it Microsoft doesn't. pretty much follows their own guidelines. when. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. When they're running software. Yeah. So I guess the only downside is that you're not going to be able to run, whereas virtual PC, I would say, you could pretty much run everything, albeit slowly. That's right. That's right. <laughs> You can pretty much run everything. Where, and the same this is here, true with Parallels. Par- parallels, because it's simulating the Windows, a Windows machine at the very low level, it, it, it run, it's far more compatible uh, with, with applications than Crossover is, at least currently. So, yeah. Wow, so you know you make it to the point where who needs a yep. PC? That's right. You pick your operating system and go. It, it, the, the applications could, be, could run independently of what OS you choose. Now, that's something. So, All right. Now, I, did, did you mention, can you cut and paste between the two environments? <sighs> I, don't believe, I don't believe you can yet. I know I've tried, and I don't believe it worked. So, no, I don't think so. But, but you, can, you can bet that it will get there. This beta is less than two weeks older, at least the public oh, beta of gosh, it. Oh, gosh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but very okay. cool. Yeah. And then, of course, your other option is Boot Camp, which I see they came out with just w- with another yep. update to kind That's of right. tweak that. That's right. So, uh, excellent. Boy, I wish I had an Intel Mac so I could do this, but <sighs> soon. Apple.com slash store. <laughs> just, I just was pointing thinking in I the right just, direction. I was thinking I could just put in a purchase order and give it to, uh, give it to you to take care of. Yeah, I've got a file um, underneath my desk for those sorts of things, John. <laughs> the circular one. Yeah. It's, well, yeah. Or yeah. the shredder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it works better with the shredder. It's more fun okay. anyway. All right, so what's your... Uh, I think we got time for one more each here, right? Yeah, yeah, we do. We're I think we do. Minute mark. Okay, go. Well, you know, I more than anyone just love to stumble around. <laughs> no. The one I have here... Moving right along. So, moving right along. I don't stumble too often. So... When you're out in the big wide world and you'd like to find some access points, you can, of course, with your Mac. A- access points air- such as like I'm airport sorry, 80- access points? Well, yes, uh, for the most part. So, okay. so we're talking for the most part here, 802.11 ABG access points. And, of course, all the you know latest portable Macs have that all built in. Right. But, you know, there may be other types of uh, networks that you'd like to connect to. Okay. Um, so this thing is called iStumbler. It will let you scan about and detect... Uh, airport or 802.11 networks. Okay. Also has a plug-in here to let you find Bluetooth networks and really? also Bonjour 
networks oh. or access points. Now the bonjour thing, I haven't. Uh, I don't run into a lot of bonjour. Okay. Um, stuff, but I have definitely used the airport one, and basically you just set it up, you run it, and if it finds a network, it will tell you the type of network, the mode, whether it's managed or an ad hoc, the name of it, of course, the signal strength, the noise, the channel, the MAC address, the vendor of it, if it knows about it, mm -hmm. uh, the last time it saw it, so just a, a whole whopping boatload, um, <laughs> or pantload, whatever you want, you know, yeah. of of the uh, the access points that are that are available to you, which, uh, cool. you know, can be good for various reasons. It could be if you're working in an enterprise and you want to see if there's any wise guy yep. who went down to the local office store to buy a cheap access point uh, and you want to, you know, close up those security holes or just if you're um, a, uh, you know, inquisitive yeah. uh, type of chap or, or uh, gal. Or, Ooh, there you go. Whoops. I said, yeah, I can say gal. Um, it's fine. We call will, ourselves we'll geeks, you. man. It, we, we've got a lot. We buy a lot of leeway with that. So it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and, and especially, and I think it would also, this is very useful because it shows you some of the things you don't normally see, like signal strength, noise, thing, and also the things that are around you. Like, for example, where I am right now, yeah. I got three access points that I can see. Wow. Now, as you may know, and this is something very handy with this one, is that they have a little plug-in. Uh, a little dock <clears throat> option okay. that will show you on the various channels where access points exist. Yeah, I, and if you go to their website, if you go to iStumbler.net, there's a perfect, if, if it's what I think you're talking about here, the, the little mm -hmm. widget, the Spectrum widget, yes. is that what they're calling yes. it? Yeah, Spe exactly. It, it show, if you're setting up a wireless network, this is invaluable, right? Be, well, unless you just know, but if you don't mm -hmm. know... Wireless networks can run typically in this in the U.S. from channel. There's 11 channels, but really, mm -hmm. the channel number is simply where the signal is focused. Right? It's, it mm -hmm. doesn't exist only on that channel. It, if it's on channel six, it may spread down to channel three and up to channel nine. Mm -hmm. Right? In a, think of it as a triangle. Right? And it spreads up and down. If you've got multiple wireless networks in the same vicinity they'll compete for mm -hmm. space so if you've got one on channel six and one on channel eight that's not a good thing and you can see that it displays where channels overlap very very cool the the image the picture is literally worth a thousand words and i'm not going to say any more about it yeah I'm so done. uh and a lot of them and i forget where most of them uh do you recall most i think default do they default to six. channel one uh, or six. Uh, yeah, I believe the Apple ones default to channel six. The Linksys ones, I think most of them default to channel six. That, that, I seem to remember that's that's kind of yeah. where everybody lands, which is so right when in I the first middle. Installed so. mine. Yeah, yeah. So I personally, I put mine on channel eleven because most, I haven't seen any that default to channel eleven. Right. So I get them there just because you know the the eight hundred two. You can coexist on the same channel. The technology will handle it, but you'll get degraded performance. That's right. Now, what would be cool is if this widget would also pick up cordless phones and the like that that also sit in that two point four range, but uh, or I don't, mi I don't think microwave do ovens or microwave ovens. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and all yeah. the other nastiness. So, a great little tool to just find out what is going on. Yep. Network wise, uh, wireless network wise, with uh, either airport or Bluetooth. Yep. Um, in your area. That's right. Okay, so one last geeky tool since we since we've gotten into the geeky stuff with iStumbler, I'm going to talk about one that. I've been using since uh, way, yes. way, way into the past of the Mac here, uh, and it's called IP Net Monitor X, and the X obviously is for well, it's really ten, I guess, for OS ten. And what IP IP Net Monitor is a tweaker's dream. There's all kinds of stuff that you could do on the command line with OS ten 
in terms of tweaking, looking at, and configuring your network connection, this lets you do a ton of that stuff in a GUI. You can look around you for uh, other computers. You can uh, talk about the airport signal, which is you know what what uh, we're talking about with iStumbler. You can look at and renew and release your your DHCP lease if if you're getting a, a connect a DHCP assigned address from from say your airport router or Linksys router or something like that. All kinds of stuff. Very very cool. You can you can actually monitor traffic, which is really handy if you want to see what a certain application is sending and receiving. If if you've got uh, if something doesn't seem like it's going right, you can you can see how the transaction's working. If you say you're checking your email and it seems to be failing on the password, you can get the you can actually look at the 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 the, the actual traffic logs that go back and forth and see what's happening. And sometimes you'll actually see the email provider saying, uh, you know, your account's been suspended or something, something you would never mm-hmm. actually get in mail. It would just say, oh, password failed and you you wouldn't know why. Very, very cool stuff. Uh, the folks at Sustainable Softworks that make this are total geeks, and I mean that in the best possible way. The, the, I would say they are network gods they, based yeah, they on really what they are. know how to do here. They really are, yeah. I mean, this and, is great. Uh, it, it's great, and and their customer support is is excellent as well, uh, at least based on my experience in the past. I haven't had haven't had a reason to talk to them in, in uh, a while, at least for customer support, but it was always, always stellar in the past. So and, IP net and, monitor 10. Yes. You too, all you have to say is, do you know who I am? Well, they, they might know who you are, but do you know what happened on this day in 1988, John? No, nope. you don't. Do you nope. the final model of the Apple two line? was released today do you know what that model was would that be the gs no and i would have thought that too the gs was not the final model introduced it was the two c the 2c plus was the last rev uh released by apple the what the apple 2c plus which one i said i'll say it again plus there you go Wow, because I remember you had a 2C when you I ran had, the bulletin I, board. I did have a 2C when I ran Milloy's. That's right. Oh, I think you're making this up. I don't I, remember 2C. I, I'm not making it up. And you know where I got it from? I got it from the <laughs> Apple Matters This Day in Apple podcast. Very, very cool stuff. Very, very uh-huh. well done. I know I've mentioned it before, but uh, I, I I, just couldn't help myself but uh, bring it up because I thought it was pretty cool. So it's yes. been 19 years. Dave and I are both. Yeah. Night, right? We're both uh, Apple II. That's where that's where we got started. That's where we met. Yeah, that's where we met. The the, uh, the good old Apple II. Now, right. now, just to throw in there, I mean, their their tool is very nice. Now, you know, I have a little pet peeve though. Is uh, as far as I know, it's OS ten. OS ten. OS correct. X. That's right. You did say it properly. I, I believe if you want to look like one of the cool kids, mm-hmm. you want to say OS ten and not OS X. That's right. I Unless like you want to be X rated. Now, also, I, I, it, there is something in your utilities folder called Network Utility, yes. which will give you some of yeah, maybe maybe half does some of it. Yeah, but definitely not all of it. But yeah. it's 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 there and it's it's you know free and it, but it's not it's not that great. Definitely not as nice as a, yeah. As a, all right, so, so should we take uh, a couple of new questions? We'll take take the existing conversations and put them on hold no. for for okay. a little bit. But uh, I've got uh, there's there's a couple of new questions that came in that I think we should uh, that would just be great to address. I think. 
Hey, John and Dave. This hey. is Katie from Gainesville, Florida. Been a long-time listener and really enjoy your podcast. Hoping that you can help me with an iTunes issue that I'm having. I have an extensive collection of audiobooks on CD that I bought back when I was traveling a lot for my job. And I'm trying to get those CDs ripped into iTunes in such a way that iTunes will recognize them as part of the new audiobooks category that's in iTunes 7. I can rip them into MP3s or AACs with no problem, but they still don't show up in that audiobooks category, and they end up in the middle of my library, and it kind of messes things up. Um, I know at one point I downloaded a script from Doug's iTunes scripts on the web, and that seemed to work because I know that I have some CDs that I've ripped that are showing up as audiobooks, but that was a while ago and with a previous version of iTunes, and I don't know if there's just an incompatibility issue or I can't figure out whatever steps I used to make that work in the past. So if you have any suggestions, I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks for all you do. You bet. And, I, and I'm and not sure if Katie said it, but I believe that is Katie from the Mac Core podcast. So uh, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. yes, it, this this audiobooks category is interesting in the new the new iTunes seven, which, of course, came out last week. And I dug into the iTunes libraries on a couple of the Macs here and noticed that only a certain type of file was appearing in the audiobooks classification or uh, subcategory, if you will. And what it is, is it's anything that appears to be a protected AAC file that's not really protected um, is, is what it comes up as. So if you have, it has to be AAC near as I can tell, and it has to uh, be named .m4b. Now, M4a is what iTunes is going to rip it in as, but it's M4b. Uh, if you go and just change the file type to .m4b, and then I guess you'd have to re-import it or repoint iTunes at it, that will put it into this audiobooks category and and then give you all of those uh, those classifications. So, near as I can tell, that's that's the only step that that's required. But it again, it's a pain in the well, now, pain in the keister. What? What's I wonder term? if yeah, because well, I had a I had a guess, as it turns out, it was wrong. Mm. But, when you because I was looking at it, I only have one audiobook on my setup here. And okay. Any song in iTunes, you can say if you right click on it, you can say if you have a right button, of course. Right. You can say Control get click. info. Right. And there is something genre. And and, and yeah, I think that you're on the money here it. because there yeah. is a genre and I tried to change it to because the one that yep. I do have in my directory, the genre is audiobook and I thought, oh, maybe that's a simple way of doing it. But sure. no, apparently no, it's not. it doesn't just look at it. No, so the, I thought that would do it, but it didn't. Yep. The the and the only reason I know uh that it's that it's here is is because when I create the podcast for the um to, for the chapters to be built into, those are M four B files. And that's mm-hmm. what that's what does it. So uh, I, be, I believe that's the only step, Katie. Hopefully you'll you'll uh, you'll either tell us that yes, that did it for you, or no, and it's back to the drawing board. So that's the uh, now I need to get back to where I needed to be in iTunes to address Roberts. Roberts got two questions, and they're interest. One of them is very interesting. Hi, Ooh. it's Robert from the Jersey Shore. I've got two questions for you. Okay. One is um, sometimes when I mouse over an object in the finder, uh, in a finder window, I notice that I see a little magnifying glass. However, 
It doesn't always happen. I don't know why it happens, and I can't reproduce it. What is this for? What does this mean, this little magnifying glass? What does it do? Uh, that's question one. All right, you know what? I, I just looked at the time, so let's let's answer question one, and then we'll see if we if we can get to question two this week, or if we just save it until next week, because because question two will open up a huge can of worms that we may simply want to avoid. Do you know anything about this magnifying glass, John? My only guess, which I don't know, I was guessing it had something to do with universal access. Oh. But I don't know, because I've never seen it. No, I haven't either. And I know Universal Access yeah. does have some features that let you do Zoom and voiceover and some display stuff here. I haven't used Universal Access enough, yeah. um, but I've never seen the magnifying glass, so I, I, I couldn't say. Have I you? Haven't no, I haven't. And I tried all kinds of key combinations to get it to, get it to appear, <laughs> you, you know, just to hmm. see if, if there was something... Nothing. So, Robert, maybe uh, if you could take a screenshot of it, uh, although I know that that may be impossible, but if you just do Command-Shift-3 when uh, when you see it appear, that might help give us some clues as to what's going on. Feel free, folks, if you're if you're sending in a question uh, to you know follow up a voicemail with with an email, if there's if there's any collateral uh, materials that would would make sense and in this case uh, seeing a screenshot would be really helpful again 206-666-GEEK mm-hmm. is the number that uh, Robert called and for those of you that know why I'm going to say this I'll say that the 206-666-GEEK number works just fine and we do get everything that comes into <laughs> it uh, so I think that's uh, I think that's that well, I had one little thing there you said you said uh, we'll throw out a, a teeny little Extra tip here. You said Command Shift three. Yes. There's also another fun one. Yeah, but Command Shift four. He can't use Command Shift four because I'm I'm afraid that Command Shift four will lose the mouse cursor. Right? Does the mouse cursor freeze when you do Command Shift four? Try it on your uh, non-podcast machine here. No. Ah, you are correct. But if you'd like to take a Okay. No, it goes away. But okay, Command-Shift-4 so yeah. will let you do a portion of the screen. Right. Command-Shift-4 turns the cursor into a bullseye, and then you can draw a, a box. And you get one shot at drawing this box, uh, and it and then it takes a picture of just the area you've selected. Again, I didn't recommend that for Robert because it takes the mouse cursor away. Snaps Pro does not. So if Thank you me. want if you want to, if you want to re- retain the mouse cursor while... Uh, still drawing boxes and all that, then go get Snaps Pro from uh, from Ambrosia, right? Excellent, Ambrosia. excellent. I've been using that forever. Oh, it rocks! Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't live without it. But uh, but somehow, a lot of people do, and it's simply because they don't know. I guess mm-hmm. that's it. So next week we're going to talk with Ricky Spiro about his Mac Pro, and he's going to uh, tell us what he's done to really. Oh, yeah, he got, he got one. He got one. That's right. Wow. And then did he uh, put in the purchase order? <laughs> <laughs> and then the the following he bought week, it with his own money. The following weekend we're at Portable Media Expo, oh, yeah. and you can be there too if you're going. Oh, let us yeah. know, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see about you know saying hi, shaking hands, you know, having coffee or drinks or whatever. Yeah. Or yeah. Or uh, yeah. Uh, Cashfly Hosting is, of course, where you've downloaded this podcast from. Is that bad English? Might be. The Podcast Marketplace. This mm. uh, this episode, of course, we have the 6i isolated earphones from Edomotic, the A5 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, and TeachMac software from TeachMac.com. So check those out. If you want to sponsor the show, the Backbeat Media Podcast Network is the place to go. 
And that's it. We're out. Hey, come come play Nation States with us at nationstates.net. We are having a ton of fun. Everybody's endorsing mm-hmm. each other. We're, we're rocking. We're actually building up strength to our Geeks Unite region, which is, uh, I don't know what, mm-hmm. I, I don't I actually don't know what that means, but it seems to be fun. So that's, uh, that's that. And uh, of course, you know, this means war. This does mean war. That's right. 206-666-GEEK, Mac vote. Geek Gab at MacObserver.com. Always vote. Always vote. That's vote right. early, vote often. <laughs> Gmail invites are still available for those of you that have asked. We try to send them out as quickly as we can. But uh, if you need one, let us know. Skype to Mac Gab. Did you get caught? Don't get caught. But there is there is a little quiz here, John. And uh, you can send in your email results to us if you know what this is. <laughs>